0: Welcome to the radio broadcast of Pineview Baptist Church, a growing community of faith in the Belfast community of Goldsboro. We are located at 3357 US Highway 117 North in Goldsboro. We invite you to find out more about our congregation by visiting us at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. Join us now for our weekly message. We're going to pick up where we left off last week in 1 Peter chapter 2, so I invite you to turn in your Bibles or a pew Bible that's nearby, and let's read from God's Word together. Pastor Tim preached down through verse 3 of chapter 2 last week, and I was planning on preaching through verse 8 today, but that's not quite going to happen. What we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and read this entire portion that we're going to be looking at it this Sunday and the next. Read with me beginning in verse 4 of 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm reading from the English Standard Version of Scripture. It says, As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the Word as they were destined to do. May God add a blessing to the reading of Scripture. Before we dig into this text today, I want to quickly recap as we've been doing quickly uh, every week. And so far we've covered the fact in chapter 1 and verse 1 that we are strangers in a strange land. Peter refers to those who would read his letter as the elect exiles. And then we launched into this section speaking about our identity as the people of God. And that's where we've been for the last four or five weeks, talking about who we are in Christ. What is our identity? What should our character look like? Even our fellowship. And we see that we're a people of a great salvation in chapter 1, of hope, of joy, of privilege. We've learned that we're a people with a new way of life. In chapter 1 verse 13, a people with a life of holiness and a life of, of reverence, a life of love. It says, "...having purified our souls by obedience to the truth." Verse 22, "...we are now a people of brotherly love because we've been what? born again," it says in that chapter. And all these things are contingent on that one statement. We need this new birth because without it, we are not capable of doing any of these things and living up to these standards that we see in Scripture. It's contingent on the new birth. In one of my commentaries, R.C. Sproul says that the term born-again Christian is a redundancy, and I would agree with him. You hear people say, well, are you born-again Christian? I've heard people answer or or be asked this way. Maybe you've seen some of those man-on-the-street interviews, and they'd ask, well, are you a Christian? Well, yes. Are you a born-again Christian? And I've seen some people say, well, no. That can't be. You cannot be a Christian unless you have been born again. Sproll writes these words, "...we talk about rebirth in terms of the doctrine of regeneration, which refers to a genesis or a new beginning. We know that rebirth is necessary because the Scriptures tell us that by nature we are dead in sin. This description of our condition is not biological but spiritual. We are born in this world DOA, dead on arrival." We may be alive biologically, but we're dead spiritually. We have within us a heart of stone, to use a biblical metaphor. It has no pulse, no flesh of life. It is calcified. Therefore, in our fallen condition, we have no inclination to desire the things of God. That is why Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit, John 3 and 5. He writes, in order to embrace the things of God, spiritual things, a new birth is required, a birth wrought in our souls by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Paul speaks of this experience as being quickened or made alive, Ephesians 2 and 1. The Apostles' Creed in its more archaic form says that Jesus will come to judge the quick and the dead, meaning not only those who have died, but also those who are alive. The language of the New Testament is that of a new life wrought in our souls. Whereas before we had no inclination or desire for the things of God, God has quickened our souls and created in us a desire for the things of His Son. That is the new birth. That is the new birth that is a requirement if we are going to live out and walk in these characteristics that we've seen in 1 Peter 1 and even in chapter 2. Last week, Pastor Tim talked about the things that we are to lay aside. He spoke of, what was it, five don'ts and three do's. Excellent message, by the way, last Sunday. And that section that he launched into last week deals with our priestly calling. We're going to see uh, in today's text and also next week as well. And he spoke about laying aside malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. And then we move on to a desire for the Word of God, the pure milk. We begin to grow. We begin to find satisfaction in God alone. Remember, this letter is to the elect exiles, the strangers in a strange land. They are not in their homeland. They are not in a place of comfort and familiarity. They will need for their identity to be focused and centered in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And all of this can happen only As it says in verse 3, if you have tasted that the Lord is good, have you been born of God's Spirit? Has the Spirit of God put a, a taste in your mouth for the things of God? In today's section of Scripture, we see a reference to God's building project. And we learn about the cornerstone of this building. We find out what the, the temple that is being built should look like. And we see the implications of this building project. And so just what is God building? Well, let's jump in to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4 this morning and let's take a look for a few moments. And the first thing that I see that Peter describes for us here in this text is the cornerstone of God's building. It says in verse 4, As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. He, Jesus, is our cornerstone. Amen? Peter presents this imagery of a rock or a stone. And that is an imagery that we see all throughout the Old Testament in particular. Many of the songs that we have sung today have been taken from some of that imagery in the Old Testament. You know what a cornerstone is. I won't take a long time this morning to belabor that point. But not only is Jesus the source of the believer's spiritual lives, He is our foundation. And that is what a cornerstone is represents it refers to him in the text as a living stone that jesus christ is alive and he's able to impart his strength to those who suffer for his sake a living stone may seem like an oxymoron But the important thing for us to realize here is that even though Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church, He is alive today. He is a living stone. And the church is built around that cornerstone. Notice in verse 4 that Peter writes, "...as you come to Him." Obviously, Christians are those who have come to Christ for salvation, but there is a continual coming that is also referenced all throughout Scripture. You come to Christ in faith and by grace. You come to Him with a repentant heart and you are saved. You turn away from certain things, the things that we see in in verses 1-3 through that Pastor Tim spoke about last week. But then you continually come to Him all throughout your spiritual journey. Repentance should be the lifestyle of a believer. It is not a one-time thing. Sproul says that some hold to the doctrine of the carnal Christian. It has permeated the evangelical Christian world today. The doctrine teaches that regeneration does not necessarily change the disposition of a believer's will or soul. Someone can be a believer in Christ and indwelt by the Holy Spirit and yet remain completely unchanged. However, that doctrine is on a collision course with orthodox Christianity and certainly with the biblical understanding of regeneration. No one can be brought to spiritual life without also being fundamentally changed. Something that you hear me say all the time, Christ changes lives. He does not save you and leave you where you are. He does not save a person who is lost, who is dead in their sins and trespasses and allow them to continue living dead in their sins and trespasses. Christ changes lives because He is the living stone. The stone that our text says has been rejected by men. A reference to His rejection by the Jewish nation. In Acts chapter 4 verse 10 it says, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by Him this man is standing before you well. He says, the Jesus That is the stone that was rejected by you. The builders, which has become the cornerstone. And so the question for you and I today is, have we come to Christ or have we rejected Christ? He is the cornerstone of this building project, of this community of faith that God has established and that He is building he's also a chosen and a precious cornerstone he is a chosen and a precious cornerstone in the ESV expository commentary it says the participle rejected is concessive So in essence, what they mean is the word although should be attached to it. Although rejected by men, He is chosen and precious in the sight of God. Just because He is rejected by this world does not make Him of little value. Because God has said He is a chosen and a precious cornerstone. If you still have your Bibles open, turn over to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Not too many pages back from where you're at in First Peter. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, it says, "...but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ." Amen one of the most important tasks of the church, one of the most important tasks for you and I today that we, that we should take on is the task of prizing Jesus and valuing Jesus as so precious and so worthy that the world around us will see how precious and how beautiful He is. Amen. He is the cornerstone of God's building project. He is precious and beautiful. He is the only one upon which any individual can build their life on with confidence and with trust. But I want you to see this morning that this is not a one brick temple. And so while we see the cornerstone of God's building, we move on now to the temple that God is constructing the temple that God is constructing, and we see it in verse number 5, if you'll read it with me. It says, "...you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ." We ourselves, we see in this text, are also living stones that are being built up into a spiritual house, being united with Him. We are made alive with Him. Now, we are not cornerstones. Let me be be very clear about that. This community of faith does not revolve around you. You say, well, pastor, that sounds harsh. Well, I'll also say that it does not revolve around me. It does not revolve around any ministry or any committee. It does not revolve around any position in the church or any individual in the church. It revolves around Christ. He is the cornerstone. He is the living stone, but He has made us alive. And He's using us to build His church. We are bricks in God's hand. We are His raw building material, so to speak. I'm not the whole building, and neither are you. We are merely the stones from which the building is made and is being built together. Notice in the text what we're being built together into. Something special, it says. Something holy, a spiritual house. A temple that is not made by hands as in the Old Testament era. It says it's a spiritual house. Why? Because it is not for earthly purposes, it is something not of this world. It says that we're a holy priesthood. A holy priesthood who is called to offer spiritual sacrifices. We are the bricks used for the building of the temple, but we are also the ministers called to serve in His temple. Not self-appointed like some. That's one gripe that I have with many pop-up churches today. And many ministers who, who just throw that term around. Well, I'm a, I'm a bishop or I'm an apostle or I'm a, I'm a this or I'm a that. You're a self-appointed one. That's all, that's all it is, because the Bible's clear about how churches are established. The Bible's clear about the calling for a minister and who ordains a minister. This is not some self-appointed title or some self-appointed thing, but it is holy, it says in the text. It is set apart by God Himself. We are being sanctified into His holy purposes as His spiritual house as His holy priesthood. Our job is to offer spiritual sacrifices. That is what we are privileged to do together. And believe you me, it is a privilege. In the Expositor's Bible commentary, it reads that the great new truth, Peter states here, is the revelation that through Jesus Christ, through His work on the cross, every Christian is part of a new priestly order. This truth of the priesthood of all believers was rediscovered and restressed during the Reformation. It means that all Christians have immediate access to God, amen, that they serve God personally, that they minister to others, and that they have something to give. This does not mean, however, that each Christian has public gifts of preaching or teaching. In this verse, Peter is stressing the reassuring fact that through Christ, believers are able to worship God and serve in a manner pleasing to Him. He doesn't call you holy because you are holy, but because Christ makes us holy. And our sacrifices that we are to offer as His holy priesthood are not like those of the Old Testament. not by the, the blood of bulls and rams. They don't need to be made in conformity with the Old Testament ritual law. Our sacrifices are made acceptable to God through the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. But as I look at these verses here together today, it also draws to my mind and shows us how we, how we should be appreciative of the local church and of one another. We collectively, brothers and sisters, hear me, we together have a purpose to fulfill. We have a calling that is placed on us as His local church here in the Belfast community. We are His ministers. We are His holy priesthood. We are His servants collectively. And if you are not in communion with the church, if you are not attending and participating as you should be and as the Scriptures say that we are to do, you cannot fulfill God's purposes for your life. It is not possible. We need This community of faith, we are obligated to worship and to serve within this community. Remember what I said, this is not a one brick temple. And you are not a one brick temple. To be joined to Christ means to be united to the church. And He is the cornerstone. If we are in Christ, we will love this cornerstone. There will be a growing love and appreciation, a growing value to the very name of Jesus in our lives. But I also believe strongly that if we are in Christ, we will love God's building, we will love His people, we will love His church, His church that is being built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, but the sad reality is that many do not love Him. And that is evidenced as we look around at our world today. But hold on. It's also sometimes evident in the lives of people who call themselves a follower of Christ. Even some who sit in pews regularly do not truly love this cornerstone. And remember that Peter is writing this letter to exiles, to those that are suffering because of their Christian identity. They know that this world is set against them. They know that the tide has turned, that they are not in favor with man. But they know that they have a great Savior. And Peter is reminding them, that they also too need the body of Christ, that they must be united together, that God is building them, that He is knitting them together as His building, as His temple, as His people. And that reminder is for you and I as well. And what He's going to do next is He's going to point to the Old Testament Scriptures and the things written before to teach them about the implications of this building project. And I had intended today to preach down through verse 8. But verses 6 through 8 can stand alone as a sermon unto itself. And so we're going to pick up here next week. But as we close, I want to ask you today, do you love this cornerstone? If not, as I've already said, today can be the day of salvation for you. Today can be your day of transformation. We read that verse that says, He will remove your heart of stone. He will give you a heart of flesh. That is a perfect picture of what Christ does when He saves sinners. He takes a a piece of stone, something hard and dead and cold, and He turns it into flesh, something living and moving and breathing. You and I can be living stones today. Do you love this cornerstone, but do you love this building? I don't mean this building. Now sometimes local churches do put entirely too much emphasis on their identity as a building. And I don't mean, do you love this piece of property? Hey, look how grand our church is. Look how nice we keep it. Look how much money we've invested into it. That's not what I'm asking. Are you being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer sacrifices that are acceptable to God? Do you love this temple that God is constructing? Do you love the local church? You cannot do it alone. You cannot serve Christ in your own strength and your own power. Christians are a people of community. and So as Peter has said in this text today in verse 4, come to Him and cast yourself wholly at the mercy of Christ. Place your full confidence in Him. Because you cannot save yourself. It tells us in Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the Bible also tells us that 2,000 years ago, Christ was lifted up on that cross. Why? To die. For what purpose? For what reason? To die for sinners. And He died on that cross for all who will call upon His name. Have you been born again of God's Spirit? Has that Spirit of God put a taste in your mouth for the things of God, as I said earlier? Only He can make atonement for our sin. And that atonement is absolutely necessary, because only by that atonement can we have full acceptance with God. So as we close, I want to encourage you this morning, if you never have, to repent of your sins and to turn to Christ. Turn away from a life of independence and autonomy from God and commit your life to Him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I urge you today to believe in Christ. It's as simple as saying, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But You are a friend of sinners and You have come to seek and to save that which is lost. Lord, receive me into Your kingdom. The Bible tells us that whoever comes to Jesus, John 6 and 37, He says, I will never cast out. So if you have never acknowledged that you're lost, if you've never acknowledged that you need to be saved, I implore you to turn to Him at this moment and He will save you. But as we close, I also want to encourage you to be united with this spiritual house that God is actively building today. If you would like more information about Pineview Baptist Church, we invite you to follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. There you will find information about our service times, upcoming events, directions to our church, and videos of our Sunday services.